Hello, and welcome to the From My Cup podcast. Here we dive into the gracious overflow of God's great wisdom within the Word. So from God's cup to ours and from our cup to yours, we welcome you to this conversation between friends. What made you um, remember Lot's wife? Um, just this concept of uh, the idol of politics in the church really has just been a resounding concept for the past few years. And that's like, whenever I hear in the scripture, remember Lot's wife, like that's immediately what my mind goes to, even though that's Mm -hmm. not necessarily the most direct link. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I think I heard it in a sermon that I was listening to, and I was like, yes, that's such a good concept. And it was just, it's something that I has been on my heart for, like, years. Plus, you know, Jesus said it, too. He said, remember Lot's wife. Right, and I feel like that's really the thing, is that we get this story in the Old Testament, and then once again, it's said in the New Testament by Jesus himself. And I think that's what makes it like its own standalone concept. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it has an opportunity to branch into many different concepts other mm-hmm. than just like politics, I guess, even though that is a, definitely a big one and a good one. Yeah, it's it was um, pretty fun reading it and seeing just all the areas of life that it applies to. It's so thorough. So today's topic, we're going to talk about uh, remembering Lot's wife, which is a concept that's seen in um, more than one place in the Bible. And when something's brought up multiple times, it's usually worth delving into it and figuring out why. So to start with, I'm going to read the story of Lot's wife. So I'm going to start in Genesis 19, 12 through 29. And so the story leading up to that, the context for that is two angels came down to Sodom and Lot uh, met them, I guess, and he asked them to stay with him, which they did. And the men of the city of Sodom came to his house and demanded that Lot give over the two men because they weren't aware that they were angels. They were just aware that they were men over to them because they wanted to have sex with them. And so Lot refused. And then they tried to attack him. And the angels brought him back inside and blinded the men of the city before they could violate him, which in the, in the text they had threatened to do, they threatened to violate both Lot and the men, uh, the angels. So starting off in Genesis 19, 12 through 29, then the men said to Lot, this being the angels, Have you anyone else here, sons-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city? Take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-laws, he seemed to be joking. When the morning had dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, 
saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of this city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand and his wife's hands and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass when they brought them outside, and he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, Please, no, my lords. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See now, this city is near enough to flee to. It is a little one. Please let me escape there, and my soul shall live. And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, and that I cannot overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore the name of that city was called Zoar, and the sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then the Lord rained fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plains, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord, and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah, and toward all the plain, and he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham, and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, when he overthrew the cities which Lot, in which Lot had dwelt. I really wanted to add in those last few scriptures, because I, I thought it was very important that it's very plainly said here that the reason that God went to such lengths to save Lot was because of Abraham. And mm, yeah, I found yeah. it interesting because the angels commanded Lot to go out to the mountains and he refused. Um, out of fear. Yeah. Yeah. Out of, yeah. Out of fear. And just the mercy of God in this story, it, like when you pay attention to the details like that is insane. Like for the story of Abraham, um, God called him out into the wilderness he called him out into absolutely nothing and told him, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. You know, you're going to be my people. You're going to be my lineage on earth, basically. And Abraham followed him and did that. And Lot was with him at this time, but Lot went over, went to the cities. And this is like a very, very generalized story because I honestly don't remember a lot of the details myself at the moment. But... <laughs> <laughs> it was Abraham's faithfulness to follow God into the wilderness that saved Lot. And in saving Lot, God saved his family as well. He saved his daughters. He saved his well, he went to save his wife. And just the how the mercy of God spreads really struck me when I was reading this again. And also the mercy that Lot did not have the faith of Abraham. I mean, that's that's so blatant in the fact that he wouldn't even go to the mountains. You know, he, he saw everything that was happening and he was brought out of the city and he still wouldn't go to the mountains, you know. 
two angels, I like to think if two angels showed up at my house and was like, I'm going to destroy this city, this nation, you need to get out of here. And they brought me, they physically showed up and they physically brought me out of the city, my whole family, like, right? We're all being saved. And they said, go to the mountains. I like to think I'd have gone to the mountains. I like to think I wouldn't have been like, no, I'm not going to be able to live in the mountains. Uh, please bring me to this other city. You know, I, I like to think I would have had enough faith that God would provide for me in the mountains if he was willing to to bring me out of the city. But obviously, I've never been in that situation. So I can't say that with too much confidence. I know the, I wouldn't. This because the reason he said as well, like, at least we'd be eaten by something. Is that is that what he said, right? Yeah, let, no, yeah, unless I fall prey in the wilderness. Yeah, yeah, like if I was running out there with my kids and everything, I'd be like, wait. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just so easy to fall into that if, of your flesh. You know, you're thinking of the things. You're not realizing like, hey, this is God who's telling you. <laughs> he's like, yeah. if he's going to bring you out of this, he's obviously going to protect you while you're in the mountains as well. I don't think you have too much to worry about, but. Yeah. Um, But his his mercy and that he granted yeah. that to him and Absolutely. he he saved that city like it says in there that god decided well no, not god decided but the angel said okay because you've asked me i'll spare this city as i'm destroying everything else and it's like you throughout this whole story it's only a few scriptures only a few sentences and you can trace all of that salvation all of that mercy back to abraham and I, I just thought that was really amazing. It's not really on topic to what we're talking about, but that really stood out to me while I was reading it, and I wanted to wanted to bring that up. And that's definitely uh, something you can find nowadays, too. Um, it is good to have company of the righteous, <laughs> the yeah. favored by God. And you don't, you don't just realize. I know it's been in my life. Um, I have no business having the faith I have on my own. <laughs> I have mm. I've come from a mom who was in a family who was faithful and who tr who had to trust God a lot when it came to me and I know that it's those prayers and somebody else's faith that definitely God took his time with me. Mhm. Mm and um so I know what it's like to be a lot in some ways. Yeah, to in, be on the receiving on that for sure. Yeah. I also think it's it's a huge encouragement because I know um, it's especially difficult to minister to your family if you're somebody that your family doesn't believe. Um, and I like I know that that's incredibly uh, frustrating and very easy to get downhearted about that because family doesn't really listen to you. <laughs> they don't really want to be ministered to by their own family members. Especially if you're the small, younger one. <laughs> yeah. In a, both of our cases. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think this is just so encouraging because it's, I mean, Abraham followed God and that saved Lot and that saved Lot's family and that saved an entire city. You know, God's, God's mercy is very widespread and your prayers even though they don't look like they're being answered right now they are and they will carry over i remember hearing a sermon uh probably from pastor carter probably most definitely from pastor carter um, 
Uh, just saying that, you know, when he would walk around the streets of New York, that he would just pick random people to pray for because you honestly don't know if anyone's there praying for them. Mm-hmm. Or even just him talking about his testimony and how it was the prayers of a few faithful who mm-hmm. God was able to move through. Yeah, fellow policemen. Yeah. And it always makes me think, yeah, it always makes me think like, are there people out there that no one is praying for them? Isn't that sad? And that's just, it's scary because that means there's no Christians on the front doing the job, doing the work Mm -hmm. because we're supposed to. Mm -hmm. And I try to do that, I guess. I'm not the most righteous, but God can still Mm -hmm. use it. He still treasures each and every word, and um, don't ever think that you're so small. <laughs> yeah, that he won't use that. Mm-hmm. I think it was, um, I think it was Gandhi who said, "If you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping in a room with a mosquito, <laughs> <laughs> and you'll realize like how much that mosquito can disrupt your night's sleep." Or just. And- Read Lord of the Rings. That's a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I love the I love the uh, the little analogy of the mosquito, though. Um, Absolutely, because yeah. that that brings you back to uh, the parable that Jesus told, where he's talking about the um, the unjust ruler who finally listened to the woman that was just nagging him constantly to get justice for her, and he finally said, "I'm I'm gonna do it so that she'll leave me alone." And Jesus said, how much more you're just God, how much more your God that loves you, is he going to listen to you if you keep on asking him? He said a similar so. prayer about, you know, going to bed and then your friends at the front door banging on your door for bread, if they can, if you could lend them bread. Mm-hmm. And that eventually, you know, you're going to get up and answer them just so they'll leave you alone. <laughs> I think, and I how think much that was more all, your God. Yeah, I think that was all in the same teaching. Probably, because they're so similar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But anywho, off of that rabbit trail. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we find Jesus references to remember Lot's wife in the New Testament. And so I'm going to read that scripture that is found in Luke 17. And I'm going to read 20 through 23. I mean, to excuse me, 20 through 33. Now, when he was asked, he being Jesus, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to his disciples, The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look here, or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part of heaven and shines to the other part under the heavens, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the sons of in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. 
Likewise, as it was also in the day of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so it will be in the day of the sun, when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the rooftop, on the housetop, and his goods are in the house, let him not come down and take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. There's so much packed in there. Yeah. And I think I think one one note to emphasis is that remember Lot's wife, like that alone is its own scripture and it's its own sentence. And I feel like the language that I read it in when I read that passage though, it feels very emphasized. Which brought me to wanting to talk yeah, about I think it. It's it's I think it's supposed to be for sure. Yeah. I think the the probably the scariest part of that is the warnings about in those times before calamity struck and the like an end came they're just going about normal lives that's what he's emphasizing mm-hmm. their lives look pretty normal you know they were doing all the regular things because i feel like especially nowadays with christians like it's when we think about the end times we don't think of it as like it's so obviously not normal every day, but that's not how it's going to go down. Yeah. I think it's going to slip under a lot of people's noses and they're not going to realize. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the point. Yeah, because I, I mean, life goes on. You have to eat and drink and people are always going to wind up getting married. You know, you work, you sow, you plant. They bought, they sold. You know what I mean? It's like. Right, but like it's the not going to be postal. Yeah, it's not. It's not going to look like so post-apocalyptic that you're going to mm-hmm. that everyone's going to be walking around with an idea. Yeah, you can't uh, think just because you can be, go home and be leisurely that that doesn't mean that the time is near. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to yeah, Lot's wife, because right before that, right before he says that, he's talking about you know. At that moment, don't turn for your worldly things because there's mm-hmm. no point. Yeah, he gives some examples. And I think it's interesting because I see I see two things being expressed here. I see this talking about the second coming. But I also see this talking about just plain the, the age that we're living in post-Jesus Christ. I think mm-hmm. the days of the son of man, I think that's, this is my personal opinion. It's probably something I should have dove into a little bit more. But when I'm reading this, I read that as now. Now that Jesus has come, you know, Jesus is the son of man. It's, it's all, you know, it's capitalized. That's that's a title that he referred to himself as in the in the New Testament quite frequently. His favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one he used the most. That's true. And I, I think you can't really read this and think that this was just him talking about while he was on earth, you know, because he says, you will desire, you will desire to see the day that I was here and you won't be able to see it. Right. 
And I think, I think in one way, this is talking about, I think it's talking about the second coming when Jesus sets up his kingdom and he reigns on earth. But I also think that this is talking about just the days after the days of the church. Now that Jesus has been here, now that salvation is available. The way that I read it, that's the days of the son of man. And so that's, Mm, I, I read that as being this like directly applies to us as well as directly applying to the second coming. Mm -hmm. I I will bring up one of the scriptures that I pulled up now because I think it fits. Mm -hmm. It's Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. And before this, it's the long list of witnesses that we have, which is, you know, Abraham by faith, Sarah by faith. and, And it goes, these all died in faith without having received the promise. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they are foreigners and temporary residences on earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had an opportunity to return. But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And I think quite literally that's what Lot's wife was not able to do. Yeah. She thought about where she was coming from quite literally and mm-hmm. did not greet the promises. It's yeah. not that these things look like they're going to come right away. It's not immediate. You know, they're far into the distance. There's something you have to strive for. Mm-hmm. You have to be, you have to claim to be a foreigner. And yeah. she, she had an unwillingness in her heart to do that, to, she, to just trust God and not look back. Mm-hmm. and we have to do this by faith you know you have to look forward to the eternal and not hold on in your heart to the things that are of this world yeah i liked um i liked the way that that read i liked the um the translation for that i it's called hcsb i have absolutely no idea <laughs> what that even um, yeah i don't know what that stands for either um it's a pretty good one though i i I recommend it a few things are kind of wonky in it but it's it's pretty solid otherwise i like how it says they were not thinking about where they came from yeah that's the part that jumped out to me when we were when i was doing a study for this is that in a grand scheme of what lot's wife represents this kind of looks into that a little bit mm-hmm. i think i think um as in many of the themes of the bible i think we should take them both very literally and also very spiritually i think we should seek to apply it to how does this apply to my my physical life right now and also to my spiritual life which kind of kind of transcends the things that are around you Right. Yeah. And I think this is something that we were discussing going into this is that I think it represents turning away from your old life when you come to Christ and looking forward to your life in Christ and looking forward to the kingdom of heaven. And so I think that 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 applies on a spiritual level, not looking back to the things that you were in your character and in your lifestyle 
But I think it also, I think we can also apply it to like the physical place that we're in as well. I think this is really, you know, he, he speaks in a very physical manner. Like whoever, don't let him go back to the, go back to his house. Whoever's in the field, don't let him turn back to his house. Whoever's on the housetop, don't let him go inside for his goods. I definitely, I see where you're coming from though, because it, it equates like your home and your possessions, Mm -hmm. but also on a spiritual level, it's equating those things to the things that you're, you're sacrificing almost the things that you're letting go and abstaining from Mm -hmm. when you go into Christ, the things that, you know, if we look into like lot in his situation and kind of stretch it and kind of apply it to everyone's situation where we're in now we're kind of in the Sodom and Gomorrah like Jesus is saying I'm going to destroy this place and you need to go and you can't look back or else you're Mm -hmm. there's nothing else I can do for you and I'd say that that's pretty much equivalent to being bad soil Mm. when you because these are people who received the seed and had some kind of foliage in their life had something going on but ultimately something in their soil snuffed it out and it's things that you're in control of it's not from yeah cares of the world and such yeah uh, at least for the one example i guess Mm mm-hmm I think I think um it's hard for us to separate those two things like um walking away from places that we were at in our spiritual life and also walking away from places that we're at in our physical life. I think I think they're very connected. It's let's like on one hand Lot was able to save that city just by asking to go live in it. And there are multiple times in in the Old Testament where somebody stood in the gap and saved an entire people by turning their eyes towards God. Right, yeah. So it's like, you should absolutely care about what's going on around you. I think a lot of people think that I'm like, no, don't watch the news, bury your head in the sand, live in la-la land, none of it matters. And that's not at all all what I'm getting at at all and I think I think a lot of people misinterpret that because they can't imagine being involved in um the things that are going on today and not involving like politics in it and I I guess I wanted to sort of pick that apart and explain what it is that I'm finding beef with and the reason mm-hmm. that I'm finding beef with it is because I'm finding it in the scripture. In the scriptures, in the Bible. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's that arrogant reliance on ourselves. Like, like we really think that we can fix what's going on around us in this nation and with yeah. these people. Like, do we really think that we can, that we can be in charge? Getting rid of God is exactly what got us here. And you still think that you can save it through policy and politics and politicians. It's like, 
it's so insulting. It's it's so insulting to listen mm-hmm. to. I, I get so yeah. insulted for God and bless God that I don't think that he really gets so insulted because I don't think he's uh He's been through this so many times. Yeah, I also just think he's not so susceptible to it. You know, I think it's just kind of laughable to him. But I, I get so up in arms when I listen to it, you know. And it's because it's it's the focus. Our focus needs to be completely towards God and towards the things of God. And that would demand that you care what happens to the people around you. And that would demand that you intercede on their behalf. So it's like, yes, I think you should care about what's going on. I think you should very cautiously be aware of what's going on. But only aware to the extent that you want to get involved. I think I think all of this, we have too much access to all of the evil in the world. And we're powerless to help it. And I think that that's encouraged a lot of people. I know it's encouraged me to just kind of back away. And then not get involved in the in the things that I could help with and the things I could be involved with, I could help with because uh, there's just so much overwhelming evil that's just harped on twenty four seven in the in the modern media. And so I think, I think exercising a fair amount of caution into what you're actually taking in. Well, I mean, it, yeah, it's a fine line. It's just that I think the thing that you're seeing that makes us want to call up in arms and be angry especially with the church in some ways is because politics has become such an idol Mm -hmm. it's become about choosing sides politically and that's wrong that's Mm -hmm. wrong you're not supposed to be so invested It's it's you should know you should know where your values lie you should know where you should be voting because i think that christians should be in the voting booths and I think it is our civil duty to do so as well. I think but- I think what it boils down to is where you're getting your beliefs from. And I right, see, yeah. I see, like when you hold politics to the um, to the the value level that I see so many Christians, and I I know they're Christians, and I care for them, and I love them, but they're so bowing themselves to the idol of politics it becomes their source of their beliefs rather than the source of your belief being the scriptures and that affecting the way that you see the world and that affecting your politics you know like you're gonna have a political leaning no matter what but it's become it's become the source for so many people and i think i will say um just like I think I I think this relates like when I watch the news as well and I and I listen to the people that these voices where I get the news is they're not spiritual leaders. No. They're also being wrong with the way that they handle absolutely their, their opposing political uh, political party. And then I think as Christians, they consume that and then get on that boat where they think that they can be malicious towards their enemy. Mm-hmm. And that is not the heart of Jesus. And that is not what we're called to be. No. How do we, we said that even in a past reading those scriptures in past um, episodes, you know, be good to your enemy. If they're thirsty, um, give mm-hmm. them something to drink. 
reap fiery coals upon their head and show them the mercy of God because that is what changes lives is the mm-hmm. mercy of God. It, it's such a, because I've seen it in my own life when listening to people who report the news that hold my side, but they're not spirit. They're not Christian still, right. but they hold more of my values and they're sitting here talking about how disgusting this one person is and then throwing the same shade that they throw and it's like no as a christian i have to be on guard in my heart for that because Mm -hmm. it's no i need to be praying for them that that god's mercy enters their lives and that they can be saved Mm -hmm. because as an ambassador and as a representation of who Jesus is, that that's who I need to be. Yeah. And I think that turns people off from the church when they see the people in it being just as hateful. Oh, absolutely. And it should. And, I think, and it should turn yeah. them off because that's that's yeah. not a representation of Christ at all. Yeah, and I think I think that concept is something that we're gonna bring up a lot in the stuff that we're when the stuff that we're talking about. Um, I know that a lot of the topics that I've picked, you know, we have like this ongoing list of topics that we pick that we want to dive into, do a study on, and then talk about. And I know, I know many of those is going to be us repeating exactly what we just said, um, just in a different direction, depending on the direction that we're picking for the given topic. And I, I guess right, with this yeah. topic, um, the, the warning that I get in my heart, it's like, so often I hear politics being uh, preached from the pulpit. And that's not to say that I think that the church shouldn't be involved in the things that are going on around it. I absolutely think the church should be involved in the things that are going on around it. And I absolutely think that they should be addressing these things. But when it turns into um, allegiance to America, I get real scared. And every time just remember Lot's wife just echoes through my mind because I think there's right, this yeah. there's this sense of like patriotism in the church you know I, I hear it all the time it's like they people want to they want to pick their favorite little little aspect of God and then like mix that into their quote-unquote patriotism and so it's like oh see God's on my side now because I included him in my little my little phrase here and I I get so angry when I hear that because it's just it's not right at all and I think it makes me think um like mixing culture you think about the thing that divides us most as people is culture and where we come from and not understanding one another Mm -hmm. and you have to remember that there's people across the pond that are also a part of the church Mm mm-hmm Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and and I think that's a big thing. That's a big part of it. That if you're getting defensive about America and you're forgetting that that's also your brotherhood, mm-hmm. and you're mixing the two ideas in your head, and I don't know. Yeah, that's just what it makes me think of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this like, is this is not our home. You know, it's yeah. it's like I. I get a little bit of the heebie-jeebies just pledging allegiance to the flag. I'm like, no, I pledge my allegiance to Jesus Christ and nobody else thanks. And that's not to say I'm like one of these anti-America people that's like, 
America's the devil. There's never been a worse nation. Absolutely not. You know There's never been a better nation, and I agree with that. Um, you know I I love our country. I'm grateful to live I, here. I was watching, <laughs> yeah, I was watching some episodes like about different countries, and about like on their TV, they think it's weird that America doesn't do like the full frontal nudity on everything, mm-hmm. and talking about some of the cultural aspects, like oh, we put. We put our magazine porn on the lowest shelf in our grocery stores so our kids can see them. And I'm just like, I love my country. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. That's just, that's what my mind goes to. And I'm just yeah. like so thankful that we live in a place that still has a little bit of sense into it. I know it's not perfect, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that sense came from, came from the idea that started America which was people wanting religious freedom. It was people getting away from serving the crown and, and you know, serving for king and country. You know, it was people getting away from that because they wanted to serve God and God only. You know, the, I remember one of the early concepts that started this nation was no king but King Jesus. And so when I see in the church it turning into into just politics, into picking your side, and whichever that side is. I mean, we're probably probably sounding like we're leaning in one direction <laughs> versus the other. I'm sure it's kind of bleeding through. But whatever your side is, when that becomes the focus, that's, that's the whole thing that's destroying us, right? And it's this arrogant concept that we can fix it that we set up um, the right policy or the right people in charge. And it's just wrong. If, if you and I and everyone else tended to our relationship with God, then everything else would work itself out. And instead, we want to go around and tell each other what to do and try and build these policies and these laws to enforce it. And that just doesn't work. And I'm getting so off topic to what I want to. It's okay. It makes me think of the one really good Mother Teresa thing that I know. It's like the only one I really know. She was asked how how to accomplish world peace. And she said, go home and tend to your own family. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like a mind your own business Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. If we all were busy building our home intending to our relationships with our families and gardening to provide for ourselves like if we had to prepare if we truly had to prepare for winter every summer you know how little trouble we would get into sin finds a way but yes (laughs) it wouldn't be like it is now yeah so i guess um what i really wanted to dive into without getting too deeply into politics um, is that we can't hold anything in this life too dearly. We can't hold the concepts that we've made up, right? right? Like we've made up nations, we've made up our government and our home, and we just can't hold that too dearly because God demands that we be willing to give it up for him. And I think just like a word of warning to not hold this nation so close to your heart that you wouldn't jump up and follow God at a moment's notice 
And that's really what I wanted to talk about. That's really what I wanted to get into. And right. I want to I have another scripture here. Luke 14:25 through 33. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with ten thousand to meet him who comes against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all, that he cannot be my disciple. Then he cannot be my disciple. I mistyped that. I have a, I have a quote here by Corey Ten Boom that says, Hold everything in your hands lightly, otherwise it hurts when God pries your fingers open. And I think that's, that's really the concept. I think of remember Lot's wife is just to not be too attached to anything on this earth to be willing to give it all up and walk away on a moment's notice. And I think that has to include this nation. And I think that has to include our ideas of freedom, even all of our man-made concepts that we live by, I think we have to be willing to give them up to follow God completely at any moment. I was just going to say that I think these are all the reasons why Lot's wife turned around. Mm-hmm. Is because she wasn't thinking about, you know, the fact that they were in constant... Uh, danger of being violated and all the horrible things that were going around in, in Sodom and Gomorrah. It was such horrible things to, to mm -hmm. the fact that God was willing to destroy it to the to the extent that he did. Mm -hmm. Thinking about worldly things like that's my home, that's my safety. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're not willing to lose the things that you just might have to lose then it's just not going to work. Mm -hmm. That that scripture you read of about uh, like trying to build a tower and um, go to war and everything and not sitting down and considering what it might cost is that you can't dive into devotion with Christ and not consider what it just might cost you. Yeah. And if you're not willing at a moment's notice to lose the things that you love and hold dear for Christ. Yeah, because then you you have you have a risk of turning around mm -hmm. and that can just be to your detriment. The the Hebrews passage that I had read, um, when they say that 
if they had thought about where they were coming from, they would have had a chance to return. Mm-hmm. You don't want to return to that. No. <laughs> and if you're thinking about it, then you have the opportunity to. Mm-hmm. You have to think about and consider the things, the deep sacrifices, you know. Think of all the things that Abraham sacrificed to go be in the wilderness, you know. Yeah, he left everything. He was willing, yeah, he was willing to sacrifice his own only son, his own son, to, to God. Mm-hmm. And if you're too tied to this life that you can't up and go and betray it all for Christ, then you, you'll be thinking about where you've come from and you will have the opportunity to go back. Yeah. And once you turn around like that, you just prove that your heart wasn't totally in it. And that's that's where the that's where the danger in lies. Mm-hmm. I think um I I actually think about this quite a lot because I remember as a kid reading reading the story of Lot and I remember like in in Genesis somewhere it says um that the evil deeds of Sodom wretched his vi- his righteous soul daily. And I remember as a little kid being like, well, why didn't he just leave then? You know, like if it was that bad, if it was such an evil place and it 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 um vexed his righteous soul every day, why didn't he just leave? And as an adult looking around at the culture that I live in, I'm like, I get it. I get it now. I can- <laughs> I completely yeah, it's understand. Not necessarily any leaving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think that at the end of the day, I just remembered you were asking me what made me want to talk about this um, today. And it was that I had another one of those moments where hearing about just how vile our culture is. And like, I, it reminded me of that little moment of in my childhood that I've been reminded of so many times in the past few years and being like, I understand now. I get it. This is, this is where you live. And you have to live, you know? It says, even throughout all these terrible times, you know, you eat, you drink, you marry, you're given in marriage, you buy, you sell, you know, you have to, you have to live no matter what. You, you don't really have a choice in living. You have to live. But what we do have a choice in is where we put our heart and where we put our mind. And Jesus demands very plainly that we be willing to walk away from it all. He doesn't necessarily say he's going to demand that you walk away from it all, but it's pretty much a guarantee that you will have to walk away from something, that you will have to sacrifice something. And he says, if you are not willing to walk away from everything, he says, if you're not willing to hate your father and your mother, your wife and your children, your brothers and your sisters, and I love this little yes, Cause like I just I just know that as he was saying this, people were looking at him, and that's where that little yes comes in. Like I just I can just see the situation, and he says, if you're not willing to hate it to that degree, I mean, how much more? How much more the man-made concepts that we're living in, you know? If you're not willing to hate it for his sake, that you're truly willing to follow him, that's a tall order. That's that's a lot that is demanded of us yeah i can only think of you know i know that there's 
marriages and relationships and situations, even like Muslim families and their child converts and or like a wife or a husband converts or Mm -hmm. and if 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 you're so afraid and and you're so like looking too much at where you are that you're not willing to walk away for Christ's sake and face the consequences for Christ's sake then yeah then there's there's just a warning there Mm -hmm. you have to be ready you have to be willing yeah I think that's everything that I had do you have um you have some more scriptures right I do we can see if we can plow through them without too much interruption interruption (laughs) and if we just need to pause you know that's totally fine yeah um most of what I had came uh, and comes from the book of Hebrews. And I think when you're reading the book of Hebrews, you truly have to consider who it was written for. And that was the Hebrews. Um, and for us as Gentiles looking in, there's also things to learn. But the context that it was truly written is a little lost on us. Like we can look at it and and see the fullness of the Old Testament and everything that we're welcome in, into now and and warnings about falling into too much control over the practices of of Christ. And there's a big warning in Hebrews 6, 1 through 12 that I pulled up. And it says, Therefore, leaving the elementary message about the Messiah, let us go on into maturity not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God, teaching about about ritual washings, laying of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we will do this if God permits. For it is impossible to renew to repentance those who were once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, became companions with the Holy Spirit, tasted God's good word and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen and who have fallen away because to their own harm they are recrucifying the son of god and holding him up to contempt for the ground that has drunk the rain and oft fall that often falls on it and then produces vegetation useful and to those it is cultivated for receives a blessing from god but if it produces thorns and thistles it is worthless and about to be cursed and will be burned at the end and then i jump to verse 11 Now we want each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the final realization of your hope so that you won't become lazy, but will be imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. And this is the true warning for Hebrews. I think that this scripture is more focused on is that going back into the Old Testament ways and going back behind the veil after you've tasted and come and seen all the things that Jesus has opened up that you're re-crucifying Jesus in mm-hmm. that way. Just that if you've tasted these things, which is, which kind of suggests that it's fleeting kind of that bad soil um, representation that you've come into the fold a little bit, but you didn't quite root. And then you turn around and say, you know, 
you've experienced the Holy Spirit and then say it's not so and say, you know, you know what Jesus hasn't done when he said he's done. He didn't come here and die. He didn't fulfill the the old law that there's a strong warning of you're turning to a pillar of salt. Mm. You're you're turning around and you're turning back, yeah. Yeah. Looking behind. Yeah. And I I don't think that because of the way this is worded and because of the things that proceed and follow the scripture, that it's not speaking of those who are born again per se. I think if you're in a slump in your walk and you've backslidden that your God waits for you, don't hesitate. You know, salvation comes when you entrust your life to Jesus. And if you still, if you're still in that, believing that Jesus is king and believing what God has done for you, then this does not apply. You don't need to do anything. Just go now and go be with Jesus, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like um, that concept that we so easily fall into when we start uh, walking off the trail and start doing our own thing. And then and then we get that conviction and, and we're like scared to go back. Um, I, I read something somebody said, there, done that. yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think it was, um, I think it was Spurgeon. He had like the, the best, uh, explanation for it. And it, I'm going to paraphrase cause I don't, I don't have it with me and it might not have even been Spurgeon. I just believe that it was, but somebody said something along the lines of, um, when you're too scared to go back to God because of how you've been sinning lately is like saying that you won't take medicine because you're too sick. Right. I was like, that's so true. Yeah. Like, and that really helped me with that, that, um, those thoughts, you know, where you just feel guilty because you're like, I know better and I was doing it anyway. I don't have the right to, to pray right now. I don't have the right to ask God for forgiveness, for healing, whatever. And that just, that really put it into perspective for me so that I've really not struggled with that lately. And like, for me, it's yeah. so much easier to just go back and be like, yes, this was wrong. And I want to move forward once again. Like he's not sitting up there with his arms crossed, like, well, I'm not going to let you back in now. Like if he was ever going to do right. that, it was while we were lost in our sin to start with. <laughs> Why would he yeah. do it now? You know, it's like, no matter what, you can always go back to him. And I think that 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 isn't to say that you shouldn't deal seriously with your sin and that you shouldn't be afraid of his judgment. Because I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people have a hard time remembering that you, there is judgment for what you're doing and you can always go back no matter what. I think sometimes it can get a little confusing. There is a proverb in the book of Proverbs that says, um, like the beginning of all wisdom is fearing the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not quite what it like yeah, word for word what it says, but wisdom, yeah. yeah. And I always struggled with that concept of fearing the Lord, but it's just having reverence. Mm -hmm. You don't fear, you like you love your parents and you're comfortable around them, but you fear them in the way that you obey. Mm hmm. Um, but I will say because it was such a big thing in the, for me with, oh, am I really saved because I hear I am backslidden? Mm -hmm. The question that 
helped me that I heard uh, was to ask yourself, would my life look any different if I wasn't following Christ? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, then you need to do some cleaning up. Just go get before the Lord. It's okay. But if yes, then then there's some... Like, I think about all the things that I probably would have done or would not have done if there wasn't Jesus. And I and I think, okay, that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> because that's a good... There's people can fall into that. I, I fall into it all the time. It's just like, I, I don't know where I am. Mm-hmm. But am I making all this Jesus up? Jesus knows where I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. easy to start feeling that way. Was I faking yeah. it? And then you're like, no, I wasn't. Stop. Just... It's just time to clean up. That's all. Mm-hmm. It's just time to clean up. I I accumulated a bunch of dirt, and it's very good that I'm feeling the weight of it. And it's just time to clean mm-hmm. up. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's the wisdom we have there. Um, when I had thought to do the study, I had watched a morning sermon on Hebrews six, and it and that's why it kind of came to me. Because it reminded me of that, just this concept of turning back mm-hmm. on what has been done resonates through a lot of different teachings that are in the Bible and what Jesus does for us. And I think the whole concept of yearning too much to go back to where you were and desiring too much of the things that you're called to leave behind mm-hmm. will paralyze you. Yeah. And trying to sit there and think of all the ways that you can maybe get away with the things that you know you have to put away. Yeah. Is going, you're going to just be frozen. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not going to be able to move on. Playing that game. Yeah. I've played that. Game. And I've, I've been there. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've played that game. And that's, that's always. That's always a good moment where you're trying to figure out where the line is. You're probably a lot closer to it than you should be. You start figuring out if it's okay to get away with it. It's probably not. And yeah, that's definitely one of those moments. I've caught myself in those moments and being like, wow, I'm definitely in a bad place right now if I'm playing this game. Yeah. Yeah. Lord knows. (laughs) I spent most of my childhood not understanding and being unwise and and not realizing that that's where I was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm not anymore, so that's kind of the point. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the good thing about God's grace. Um if you sat there forever and then suddenly snapped out of it and came to the and came to the Lord, there's mercy there waiting for you yeah. on the other side. <laughs> we serve a merciful God, that's for sure. Far more merciful than I would be if I was in his. Oh, yeah, and I think <laughs> I think that's the uh, the moral of the story. Honestly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think that uh, goes in as well into my next one, which is Hebrews ten thirty two through thirty eight, and this is referencing the old covenant to Hebrews who had already known what it's like to suffer when representing God. Um, Paul writes, remember the earlier days 
when, after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions, and other times you were companions to those who were treated that way, for you sympathized with the prisoner and accepted the joy and accepted with joy the confiscation of your pos- your possessions, knowing that you yourselves had better had a better and enduring possession. So don't throw away your sorry, so don't throw away your confidence, which is a great reward. For you need endurance, so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised. For yet a very a very little while the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith, and if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and obtain life. Mm. Although this message is tailored to those who are coming from the old into the new, there are things to learn and take note of. Um, One of the big ones that I got was that confidence is gained when you're facing oppression. That when you are tested and face some kind of pushback the more you go and you you try those muscles you know the more you grow those muscles the better your confidence is Mm -hmm. and coming from someone who for most of their life had very little confidence behind them when it came to themselves and representing god that you just need to go out there and do it and even if you do it wrongly at least you're doing it Mm mm-hmm and that the more you flex that muscle, the more you go out there and do it, the better it will be for you. Yeah. And that once you gain it, it is a dear reward because that's where you gain your endurance. If you spend too much time hiding in the background, drawing back, I think, which is the the big thing that jumped out at me in this one. The, and if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. Mm-hmm. I think what this whole thing is getting at is... If you're too scared of what's to come, because God tells you very plainly what's to come, when you accept him, is that it's not comfortable, and it's hard, and people will treat you badly, because they didn't, they hated him first, not you, you know. Mm -hmm. They hate him because of what he represents, and because they're living in darkness and they're blind to it. But you can take with joy that persecution, persecution. Yeah, I'm saying that right. I don't yeah. Know. Anyway, <laughs> that, yeah, you have to have that confidence. Yeah, I like the um, the bringing up of, it says that that, that is how you um, for you need endurance so that after you've done God's will, you may receive what was promised. And that really reminded me of, um, I think it was Paul when he talks about um, it's not about who runs the race well or who who runs it quickly. It's about who runs it to the end. Just that constant, constant reminder that you have to do this until the end. You have to you have to pursue God right up until the end. Well, we had said um, when we had we had brought up our our fondant. <laughs> We were talking about, you know, trying to make 
Christianity look pretty when in all reality it's not very pretty because <laughs> we're not, you know, our, our struggle is not very pretty. It is a constant battle until the end and it uh, doesn't matter if you're one-legged and, and hopping along as long as you get past the, <laughs> as long as you just do it until the end. Yeah, as long as it doesn't have to be pretty. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's just like this, um, this constant theme. I think it's Paul who's talking, right? Yeah. Yeah. He he has this constant theme where he was constantly reminding people that this is um this is something that you have to do for life. You have to get to the end of the race. And mm-hmm. talking about looking back, which obviously ties in with what Lot's wife did and why we're to remember that. Because it says um that you have highlighted here. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. And it, it brings, that expresses the concept that we had been talking about before recording about looking back in your walk, looking back to your old ways, and I think finding some pleasure mm-hmm. in them, which I've mm-hmm. I've heard a lot, where it's like people talk about like, Oh, the way I was before, and then it's like it's like a joke, and there's a little snicker to it, and there's a little there's still some pleasure to be found there in the way that they yeah, lived kind before. Kind of missing it, yeah, kind of yeah. missing it. And I, I, that's really what I'm reminded of when I read this, um, especially mm-hmm. in correlation to what we're talking about with Lot's wife. Is is looking back to the way that life was, and I think that that's. That's something that applies more to us Gentiles, you know, even though he's addressing the Hebrews and he's addressing them about not going back to their old life. But it's kind of the same thing. Like their old life was was the law. And even though the law is not diminished at all, Jesus was very plain about that. He said, do not think that I've come to get rid of the law. I've come to complete the law. Yeah, it's fulfilled. Yeah. They no longer have to work within the fuzzy images because, well, Hebrews is, the picture that Hebrews is also trying to paint is that everything that they had to do and that they did represented Jesus in some way. It was all pointing to him. It was all one mass that, uh, prophecy. Yeah. And that when you step back into that, it you're removed, like... Because it said that to your own harm, you're re-crucifying Christ. Yeah. But in this passage, where the Hebrews 10, 32 through 38, it's... So you've gained some confidence because you've already faced persecution over it. Mm-hmm. So carry that confidence over into this new... into Accept the new and have confidence in what your God has done for you. And that if you draw back and you lose your confidence and that if you lose your steam, kind of like if, mm-hmm. if you're not as willing to suffer for this covenant than you are the old one, then God takes no pleasure in that. Yeah, I think I think um, it really sort of draws out this this concept that there's a difference between remembering and looking back. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I think... I think, like, what he's saying here, like, what you were just pointing out, um, he's sort of saying, like, remember, remember 
the success you've had, right? You gain some confidence because of everything you faced and carry that forward. And I think, you know, just like a silly little example that I can say for that is um, when I went to community college, I went to community college for uh, two years before I went on to an academy. And my first year, like every class that I went into, especially because I, I really dove into I did a bunch of math classes, which is something I was not good at at all. <laughs> and it was something I had a very difficult time understanding. And so my my first uh, couple of years there, when I'd go into class and we'd kind of go through, um, what is it, the syllabus? You go through the syllabus and like all the stuff you're supposed to learn. And it was mm-hmm. really intimidating when I was in community college because because that was my first experience with college. And, you know, you read through it and it was really intimidating and you're like, oh, my goodness, I'm expected to be able to do this. Hmm. And by the time I got to the academy and I was I was going to a maritime academy. So, like, everything was different. I mean, the, the first semester, like every class, it was just piles and piles of new lingo that you had to learn. And it was like, you better learn it now because you're going to get tested on it in two days. And that's how everything is going to be referred to from here on out. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like you weren't allowed to say left and right. It was port and starboard, you know, stuff like that. Right. But I remember, I remember my first semester there and um, going through the syllabuses and I, I had enough confidence from those two years at community college that the, the difference from when I first read that syllabus to the, what I understood at the end of the semester, every single semester, every single class was just insane. And it gave me enough confidence. I remember telling my mom this. I said, you know, we're going over all this lingo, all this crazy stuff I've never heard in my life. And I didn't even, you know, never even heard the words, you know, and I'm expected to know it in a few weeks. And I said, you know, it's just exciting because I got enough I got enough confidence from my time at community college. I said that I know when I look at this stuff, even though I have no idea what it means now, I know that by the end of the semester, I'm going to know all of this. And that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And so that's, yeah. that's what I, that's what I see here. You know, he, he has this, this difference between do not draw back, do not look back so as to fall into where you were before. But at the same time, he's saying, remember everything you've gone through remember the confidence that you've gotten from the experiences that you've had and even though you're looking forward and forward is really intimidating it's a really big question mark you don't know what's coming you know it's going to be difficult you know it's going to require sacrifice but remember the confidence that you gained remember how faithful your god has been to you and move forward in that and that's just i was just reminded of of just that little scenario in my life and um being really proud mm-hmm. of that difference. <laughs> that difference yeah. felt pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's a feeling that, you know, I'm reminded to have that for today's struggles, today's things that I'm going through that are pretty intimidating. You know, some some health issues that mm-hmm. I'm going through and everything. And it's like, I've mm-hmm. had spiritual healings in the past. I've been cured from things that are incurable before. And to remember that don't right. don't look back to fall back into my unbelief, but at the same time remember and and use that confidence. You know, um, while you were saying this, I was just relating it to 
uh, because before Hebrews 6, it, Paul talks about there's like the meat of the scripture and then like there's like the newborn babe needing the milk mm-hmm. and not the not going back to that place after you've been there mm-hmm. the, to keep the confidence because your faith is living and growing. Yeah. And God will prune and do his thing. And it's going to be painful and it's going to and it's going to suck sometimes and you're not going to understand. Mm-hmm. But then when you get through that and you understand and then and then the next stage and something hard comes up and you're and you're kind of like that giddy like by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to be on the other side of this. Yeah. yeah. And just remember that confidence. Yeah. Instead of and falling don't look back. back. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know he who draws back i have no pleasure in him mm-hmm. you don't want to, you don't want god to say that about you cuz that yeah. that has serious consequences mm. well it's just i think that there's something to be said about the rewards that you have in heaven i don't think that we're all going to be compensated the same i think that there's some kind of weighing there um yeah, I think I think we'll There's something about treasures in heaven that you're because you're laying up something in heaven. Yeah. And how much of that are you? How much are you going to leave in heaven, and how much are you going to leave here on earth? You know. Mm-hmm. Is everything going to be in heaven? Every every last. Yeah, yeah, we'll be uh, compensated accordingly. And um, not to say that. I mean, God is patient and He's happy that you're just here, but. If he keeps having to pull you back from the same same place, if you keep running back to that n- newborn stage, I mean, yeah, what is that saying about you? Mm-hmm. It's also just at? plain going to make your life more difficult. Yeah, and I can say that from um, experience as well. You don't want to. You don't want to be there all the time. No, that's a miserable place to be. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. It's so much better when you're just looking at God and going forward and not. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have enough faith. You're pursuing your faith, yeah. Yeah, I didn't have enough faith for the longest time to think that I could go f- much farther. Mm-hmm. Just like I'm just gonna fail again. I'm just gonna I'm gonna mess it up, and I'm gonna be a square run again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also a lie. Yeah, because after a certain point, you're not gonna be a square run again. Yeah you shouldn't be at square one again you should be rooted and that shouldn't be something that you should be doing over and over again or else then you're just bad soil (laughs) yeah yeah i mean even if that is what you do as long as you keep on going and you don't give up but yeah i like i like that concept too what you're saying i don't i don't think you ever really do go back to square one I think you can absolutely mm-hmm. keep yourself in the baby faith stage. I think a lot of people do. They like being comfortable and they're not willing to accept the challenges. Yeah. And I think but luckily for us, the sower keeps mm-hmm. coming back around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just we're not exploring the idea that it goes deeper. Yeah. And that's really sad because a lot of people are suffering because of it. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah, no because, intercession yeah. going on. There's a lot of um there's a lot of suffering in the baby stage. And I just want to say that um you know that it was actually mercy upon Lot 
not as much as it was Abraham's faith, but mercy upon Lot, that that whole town was saved on his behalf. And oh, yeah. Even with him, with a little bit of faith, ended up saving a town. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it calls, it called righteous, uh, it called Lot as having a righteous soul. So there was yeah. certainly a lot yeah. of faith there. As well. But this is the, this is the good thing, you know. More often than not, I I'm not inspired to save myself, as I am inspired to be good to save others. Yeah, I I, I think I really think that's the trick. I really do. If if you get so so hung up on on trying to sort out your own problems, you're just gonna run around in a circle. But when you yeah. focus on pursuing the kingdom of god and working for others suddenly your own mm. problems start working themselves out <laughs> yeah yeah the fuel the fuel in the engine a lot of the times to keep going has been times where i was that so unprepared and wanting to be more armed in the spirit so i can be that righteous prayer mm-hmm. and just knowing that i'm not and I think that also has to do with having really honest assessments about ourselves and where we're at and, and answering that question sometimes, like, if I were more devoted, what, how different would my life look? Mm-hmm. And how different would the lives of those around me look? Yeah, I think, I think one thing that would benefit everyone is if they asked God for a vision of what they could be through him and then pursuing that. I think that would help a lot of people. Mm, yeah. I know uh I know one experience that I had, one spiritual experience that I had that um gave me this tiny view of the way that God sees me. And it just like blew my mind and it just it it really changed a lot about me. I feel like it shifted, shifted like um, the foundation of of how I how I've built myself from then on. Mm, yeah, and it's given me it's given me a lot of courage. Like if I if I saw that if I saw that glimpse, to keep on keeping on, even if I mess it up, you know, even if I go through my seasons, you know, this uh this past mm. year just a little um. Previous to a few months ago, you know, the year before that about, I just went through a really dry season spiritually, but having had that experience with God, I had this confidence. I was like, even though I know that I'm not doing great right now, you know, I haven't been in intercessory Mm -hmm. prayer. I haven't been doing much of anything. I feel like I'm losing ground. I know that Mm -hmm. I'm not lost. I know that Mm -hmm. this is just a season that I'm going through and I know I'm going to get to the other side. And it, it feels good to finally feel the the spiritual planes opening up again, so to speak. You know, mm-hmm. feeling finally feeling that that reconnect that I, I had been searching mm-hmm. for all along and just just couldn't find. But because I'd had that little glimpse, I was like, I know, I, I remember how faithful he has been in the past. I remember things that he had told me were true. And even if I don't feel like mm-hmm. I'm seeing this one right now, I know that it is true. 
and I'm just gonna hang on till we get there. <laughs> yeah, that's the that is quite literally the essence of faith. Yeah, that is faith. That is what God's looking for. Mm-hmm. That we are not solely driven by what we're feeling and what we're seeing, but that, like they, like it says that I read about the faithful, that they saw that promise in the distance and they they just they're not turning around on that. Mm-hmm. And that if they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had the opportunity to return to it, but instead they they chose to be foreigners and to go for that and that's what will keep you keeping on yeah yeah i think one thing that helped um that helped with that season as well was i um i think it was mother Teresa. she spoke on that i guess it was i guess it was something pulled from her journals i've not actually read her journals um but she had spoken on that once and she said like don't be don't be so worked up when you're in a dry season she said, they're inevitable. Everybody goes through dry seasons spiritually. Just keep on keeping on until it comes back. And I was like, you know, that's some really good advice. <laughs> it's like sometimes yeah. it's so easy to be like, oh, no, I'm backsliding and this and that just because, no, it's just a dry season. Sometimes it's just a dry season. I think having discernment to know which is which. But I think sometimes, mm. even if you just know, I'm going to get on the other end of this. Sometimes I think I think that's enough. If you really believe that, I think you will. Well, I know. If you truly believe that you're going to get on the other side of whatever it is that you're going through right now, and you're still going to be on God's side when you get to the other side of this thing, then you will be. Yeah. Have the promises readily available in your heart to cling to. Yeah. Yeah, and that goes back to um, what we were discussing with devotion, which is something we will be discussing continuously because it's really just the (laughs) meat and bones of this life, Mm -hmm. Um, is building up that scriptural knowledge and building up your experience in prayer so that you can remember, so that you can build that confidence, and so that you can cling to those things even when everything feels very dry and mm-hmm. and distant and quiet because those times are going mm-hmm. to come there are there are going to be times where you feel like you're completely alone and isolated spiritually it's going to happen and so you have to have that that scriptural knowledge built up and that that prayer spiritual experience mm-hmm. to remember yeah you need that armor for everything mm-hmm. um I had um, John eight thirty one through 32 up. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I think this is just the good message of if you're abiding in the truth, <laughs> mm-hmm. that you won't, you won't be looking back. This is how you don't look back. Yeah. And this is how you're set free from all those things. Um, it's a good promise. <laughs> yeah. It's a good promise that you can cling to for sure. Yeah. I, I He really just simplifies it. If you abide in my word, mm-hmm. you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. like, 
How much more can you ask for? How much simpler can it get? Yeah. And it's like, I can vouch for that in my own experience. And that mm. when I'm not steadily in the word, I'm not steadily reading the scriptures, I so easily get caught up in all of these other concepts. You know, we we're talking about earlier about getting your your doctrine and your and your wisdom and your life's philosophy from politics and from the culture around you. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to fall into that because there are truths spread throughout all of that. There's a little bit of the truth broken up and mixed in with all the lies throughout all of that. And so if you're mm-hmm. not consistently turning yourself towards the truth, which is Jesus Christ and his scriptures, then you're going to get led astray, led astray by the into the lies, by the little truths that are mixed in. And in, I feel in a that. very microscopic way, like applying the turning back kind of thing. I think that's like the mini form that we do it, that we can do it is when we suddenly start turning back around to the world for some advice or for some comfort or yeah, ultimately comfort or a word mm-hmm. or a good word or a truth or a perspective or anything like that. Yeah, to feel self-righteous. And you're, yeah, and not having it put through a filter of, of Jesus, then yeah. Yeah, and that, that's a big one. Just to feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't turn around and start making this about you again. <laughs> not when God's removed you from that, not when, when, he, when you know and he knows you know, you know. Yeah. Turn to him. Abide in his truth and it will set you free. Yeah, so I think I think that that subject, I think we went down a few rabbit trails because I think it's so easy to. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. because it just pertains to so much. But I know that at the end of the day um just something that I want to continuously remind myself of. And also, I feel the desire to remind others of, because I think so many have forgotten uh, people that I care about. And it it just boils back to that. It's, I'm not trying to shake my finger at anybody. It's like, I just, I just want you to know this, because it's true, mm-hmm. because I care for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember Lot's wife. Don't look back. Don't hold anything... Mm-hmm. of this world don't hold anything that you possess don't hold any of your human connections any of your relationships your home your country your nation your people what have you don't hold them so close that you wouldn't follow god blindly because mm-hmm. we have to follow god blindly mm-hmm. sodom and gomorrah and the story of noah and so many others stand as small previews of what's to come for the whole world and yeah don't treasure this world over the one that's to come yep and i think that's um the overall message is that you cannot treasure the things that are here even people because you don't know Mm -hmm. and it's hard to tell yep whose heart is really in it yeah just turn your eyes towards jesus yeah but make sure yours are yeah, and you can make a difference. Make sure yours are towards him and yeah, you if, can make a difference. If you pursue the kingdom of God, it will in it will inevitably involve at least an effort to bring others with you. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can just rest in the fact that you 
you just have to pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness and the rest will fall mm-hmm. into place. He will guide you into the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely. I had, I had written down, um, you know, what, what more can Jesus do for you if you turn back? Mm. God's already done so much. Mm-hmm. But if you're unwilling, then there's not much more <laughs> that can be done. But you can become willing. Yeah. You can trust in Jesus and hold to those promises because they are true. And the more you do it, the more confidence you'll build. Yep. I have another uh, quote. I almost just spilled my tea. I have another quote by uh, Spurgeon. And again, I don't actually have it here, so I'm going to paraphrase it. But he said, you can't, nobody in their right mind would expect a king to pardon a rebel when the rebel remains in open revolt against him. Mm. And I was like, that is so true. If you're in yeah. open revolt, how can you expect God to to continue to pardon you? And I think that's just the whole message of, of Lot's wife is not to look back, mm-hmm. not to go back to the things that, that were. And even more so, uh, another pattern I see in the, especially in Hebrews, but it's that the new covenant is the fullness of the old and how much more is our turning back weighed against us now? Hmm with the fullness of all things here and how much Jesus has really done for us and let us in on, you know? Yeah. How much more does it hurt against us when we, we turn to these foolish things mm-hmm. of comfort and we don't have the bigger picture in mind to whom much is given much is required. Mm-hmm. It's a very, yeah. very heavy scripture. It's a heavy walk, but it's it is good. a heavy walk, but it is. A, yeah. And but it's good. It, so good and it's gonna be a heavy walk no matter what and this is the only way it's good (laughs) yeah yeah that's true yeah we thank you for joining us on this episode of from my cup join us fridays at two on any of your local podcast listening stations we hope to see you there thank you and god bless you